Shut up. I'm listening to the next English podcast. Hello everybody, hi Zeppers, listeners of Zdenek's English Podcast. How are you doing? I hope you are okay. Uh, it's been snowing here in the Czech Republic, so uh, the place is kind of covered in snow these days, although some of it has already melted. But it's really interesting. I like this sort of winter atmosphere, and we used to have more of this in the past, but not as much these days because of global warming, ever-present global warming. Um, as if it's not enough that we have COVID, we also need to have global warming, right? Or is it the other way around? As if it was not enough that the planet started heating up way too fast and we were getting nearer and nearer to an ecological disaster. Suddenly, out of the blue, COVID-19 came and everybody forgot about the global warming, right? I don't know why I started this episode with this, you know? You know what, sometimes I just turn on the recording device, my good old Sony recorder, which has been with me, I think, uh, f since the first year of me podcasting, which was some time back in 2013. I might have bought this in 2014, I can't really remember. You see, I don't keep the record of this. But um, I just wanted to make a point that sometimes I just feel like pressing the button and uh, then just going with the flow, you know, um, because this is my favorite way of recording the podcasts. It's not that I don't want to be organized. I do want to be organized and I can understand the benefits of it. And um, I know that probably it's easier to follow, but I can also see a lot of value in just recording an episode in which I just ramble. A value for myself, selfishly, of course, because it helps me practice my own English, it helps me uh, work on my own speaking fluency, and it's just a, a nice challenge. And as you know, I'm a competitive guy that likes games, and it's it's like a game. I'm like, I'm like playing a game with myself. <clears throat> and uh, this kind of game is uh, uh, really... Uh, really fruitful, I'd say, because it does help me with my own English. And, uh, well, here is another one of these episodes, although there is a little, let's say, aim, a little objective that I set out uh, to myself right before pressing that record button. And the objective is that I'm going to play a game called Irrational Game, which was uh, made by Dan Ariely's. I can't really read this name very well. Dan Erily, Dan Erily, I think. And uh, it's a game that I've recently bought online. And as you know, I'm a board game collector. I've got loads of games. Some of them are still <laughs> in London, in the language school that I worked for last year. But uh, I haven't got round to collecting them yet. So hopefully 
they're there safe and sound and one day hopefully uh, in this year in 2021 i'll be able to get them uh, because they are my games i love them right and guess what my best games are there yeah that's right the, the best games for teaching english especially so i do miss them my shelves do look empty these days um, but this game has come recently and I don't really have anyone to play with these days because everyone is self-isolating. You can't really go to a pub to play with your friends. It's just, it, it's like this kind of atmosphere that it's, it's just better to stay at home and just do things online, right? So this game has come and I don't even think it's, it's like a massively good game. The reason I bought it was because I thought it was an interesting concept and something I could use in my English classes. Sometimes I buy games thinking of my students rather than myself and what I would enjoy myself. So this is a really interesting game in which you have a certain question. There's like a there's like a set of cards. These cards are quite big actually. They remind me of the Dixit, Dixit cards. And it's 130 cards, and each card contains, let's say, uh, a question, yeah? And uh, you have to, first first of all, you read uh, the background to this question. It's like a build-up to it. And then um, you're asked the question, and then you've got four options. So that's on one side of this card, and each card is also belongs to a different category. So you've got like a category of social norms, self-control, decisions, rewards, time. I think those are the main categories. And uh, so you try to answer the question, and then uh, you turn you turn over the card, and you will see the answer. Sometimes there is a bonus answer as well, and also. Um, this is all based on research, yeah. So it's like something that that's possibly shocking or surprising or, or interesting for whatever reason, and uh, you're trying to guess the answer to it, and then at the end you 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 have the answer and also a takeaway. So it's like I would say uh, an explanation, a more detailed explanation to this. Now I realize that this might be. Um, slightly borderline because I may be sort of infringing the copyright here which obviously I don't want to do and that's why I am only going to go through let's say three cards which I think uh, shouldn't do any harm to the publisher if anything I think I'm promoting his game yeah I think I think I'm I'm trying to help uh, people learn about this game and if they like it if they like like it and like the idea well they might uh, buy it in the end and i think th reading out three cards out of 130 and challenging myself uh playing this game i don't think i don't think anybody will mind and if they do well i apologize and I, i'm willing to take this episode down yeah, even after i publish it but I think nobody will mind in the end. My podcast is not that massive. It doesn't have that kind of reach anyway. So I suppose I'll be, I'll be okay. Now, this game is supposed to be played in two to five people. And uh, apparently it's uh, suitable for ages 15 plus. I think um, I would use this game to, 
to help students with vocabulary, reading, um, listening. Yeah, I think because they, you see there's a lot of text and um, it's written in in uh, quite an advanced language. I mean, a language that native speakers would understand. So I would probably use it with B2 level or C1 level students. And it's not supposed to be a solo game. There are some solo games, actually, some solo board games, uh, which, you know, you play by yourself. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Because a board game should be a social activity. It should be a thing that you do with your mates, with your friends. Uh, you sit, sit around the table and you all have fun playing a game. But there are solo games, surprisingly. Or there are games that can be played as a solo game. Yeah. For example, what's the game? Mm, Chronicles of Crime. That's a fantastic game. I really recommend you uh, buying this game. It's I think it was made by a French board game designer, and it's uh, it's like a crime mystery game. Like you're trying to solve a mystery. You are a detect. Uh, you are a team of detectives, pretty much, and you can play it in up to four people. But you can also play it as a solo game. Anyway, going back to this game, the irrational game. Um, so what I'm gonna do? I'm uh, I'm going to just randomly draw three of these cards. Then read the whole thing, possibly go through some vocabulary because you see I'm am still an English teacher, so um, I'll, I'll see what I can do there if, you, if if I can explain some of the more advanced words. Let's say uh, perhaps there might be some grammar structures and things like that, and then I will attempt to answer the question, give you my you know uh, layman's layman's explanation. A layman, it's like a person that doesn't really know much about the subject. It's like an ordinary person, uh, not an expert. It's like the opposite of an expert, yeah? So I'll give you my position on this, and then uh, I'll check whether I'm right or not. How does that sound? All good? Is everybody ready for this? I am certainly ready, and I hope it won't be uh, a disaster. I hope uh, I won't embarrass myself here, because... This is something that could easily happen, because my knowledge is definitely not far-reaching. I'm not a bookworm, I don't read so much. I haven't always paid attention at school, you know, so uh, we will see what happens. And I haven't seen the cards yet, you know, I've just like looked at one. And that's about it. So let's see. Okay, so here we go. Social norms category. Social norms category. It's about morality and purity hmm. okay interesting interesting uh, participants were asked wait yeah okay participants were asked to perform either an immoral act telling a lie or a moral act sharing a positive message either via voicemail the mouth or via email the hands next participants were asked to rate the desirability of mouthwash and hand sanitizers to represent cleansing their mouth or hands. That's funny. Wow. Okay. How did the participants who completed the immoral task of lying via voicemail or email rank the desirability of mouthwash and hand sanitizers? So that's funny. So mouthwash is just something that you would use 
to wash your mouth with. I guess um, I guess it's an alternative to uh, to a toothbrush. Some some people do use this. I've heard that this is actually not that healthy. I heard that it's like some chemicals. You know, you're like putting some chemicals in in your into your mouth, and uh, obviously you rinse and and you 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 know. Uh, you spit it out in the end, but I think still it's not I an ideal thing to do. It does kill some bacteria, I suppose, but I'm not sure. Hand sanitizers might be the same case. I've also heard that good old soap, by the way, not soup. I'm talking about a soap. Yeah, soap, not soup. Soup is the thing that you eat, yeah, the, the liquid uh, food, kind of. Whereas soap... Um, uh, do we say, I think we say a bar of soap, I think we do, well, I don't have a computer at hand to check it this time, but we can check it yourself, and if I'm wrong, well, just message me, just, you know, leave a comment, leave an angry comment saying that Zdenek doesn't speak English really well, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a bit of guessing, I've heard it somewhere, a bar of soap, you definitely say a bar of chocolate, but I think soap is uncountable, so you have to use one of these words to count it. That's why you say a bar of soap. Anyway, I think I'm getting too deep into this topic. I think you, you can imagine what a mouthwash is and what, um, what um, hand sanitizer is. So hand sanitizer is um, an alternative to soap, basically. It's the one that you sort of like press. Isn't it called... Um, liquid soap dispenser or something it's like that yeah it's like it's like a liquid it's like a gel kind of isn't it, it looks like a gel it has a um, substance this kind of substance jelly substance yeah uh, anyway we are getting sidetracked so how did the participants who completed the immoral task of lying via voicemail or email rank desi the desirability of mouthwash and sanitizer. By the way, the desirability, it's like uh, if you desire something, you really want something, yeah? So I suppose in this case, uh, we are going to rank uh, to what extent did these people want to use uh, the mouthwash and uh, the hand sanitizer. So uh, that that's going to be quite interesting. So. Number one, so I've got four options here. Number one, all participants ranked mouthwash more positively. So rank, to rank something is a verb. If you rank something, it means you kind of give it points, yeah? So you could rank a film, let's say. If you are a re reviewer, if you are reviewing films on um, Rotten Tomatoes or what's, what is it? Um, something, something MD, I think. RSMD, I can't remember the acronym, but uh, there is a website, a famous website that ranks TV shows and and uh, films. Um, it's just at the tip of my tongue, but I can't, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It doesn't matter. I just wanted to explain the verb to rank something. Yeah. So all participants ranked mouthwash more positively. That's interesting. Uh, that's interesting. Participant Participants ranked mouthwash more positively after lying via voicemail. <laughs> so I think the idea here is that uh, when you lie using your voice, um, you do need to um, 
you kind of need to clean your mouth, you know, just to cleanse yourself and to sort of uh, redeem yourself or uh, rid yourself of the lies, right? <laughs> it is funny. So I think it's, a, it's, it's to do with some associations people might have. Uh, let's see, what, what's the option number three? Participants ranked hand sanitizers more positively after lying via voicemail. Participants ranked hand sanitizers more positively after lying via voicemail. I don't think this one makes much sense, to be honest. Because, um, well, uh, if you lie uh, using an email, then um, you, you, type, you type your email in, right? You type it, so you use your hands for that. So this doesn't make much sense. I think there must be some sort of correlation between... Uh, what sort of means you use to lie. So either it's your mouth, either you talk, or it's the the hands, the fingers that you use for uh, lying via an email. I think that's what this research is going for. I could be wrong, of course, because I haven't played this game yet. Anyway, number four, option number four. There was no difference in positive rankings of mouthwash across the two conditions. Hmm... Is this a tricky question? Is somebody trying to catch me out here? Uh, I have no clue, but I have a, I have a feeling that it could be number two, actually. I lean towards participants ranked mouthwash more positively after lying via voicemail. It feels like that's exactly what those bloody liars needed. They needed to rinse their mouth. They needed to wash their mouth after um, telling lies and uh, behaving in an immoral way, of course. Okay, wait, I've just realized that actually... Let me, let me read that from the beginning again. Participants were asked to perform either an immoral act, telling a lie, or a moral act, sharing a positive message, either via voicemail or via email. Oh. Yeah, so it's fine. I think I understood it well. All right, so I'm going for option number two. Participants ranked mouthwash more positively after lying via voicemail. By the way, it's so hard to say mouthwash. I don't know why. Mouth... Th, the th sound. Mouthwash. Hmm. Okay. Now, the answer is number two. So I was right. Good thinking, Zdenek. Give yourself a pat on the back. Yay! I feel so proud. Um, okay, so I think it's logical. Let's see. So, the takeaway. Okay, the answer. Participants ranked mouthwash more positively after lying via voicemail. Now, the takeaway is, this study demonstrated that people associate immoral acts with dirty body parts. Okay, so... Um, Intuitively, that's what I was going for. Participants who completed the immoral task of lying via voicemail or email both desired mouthwash and hand sanitizers respectively. By the way, when you say respectively, it means in that order. Okay? Participants who completed the immoral task of lying via voicemail or email both desired mouthwash and hand sanitizer respectively so it means that the ones that they uh, the ones that 
lied via voicemail. Uh, they desired, they wanted, another word for wanted, mouthwash. And those that lied via an email, they wanted the, sanitize, the hand sanitizer. So uh, that's, that's how this word respectively works. It's just, uh, it's in that kind of order. Very useful word, by the way. Which you would, uh, which you would put right after the, uh, right at the end of the sentence, and you would divide it by a comma as well. It would be just like a separate word after a comma. Okay, these results suggest that we link immoral acts to the specific body part that produce them. <laughs> that's that's incredible. I didn't know this. I just I just intuitively went for this answer. Um, and that after the act, we feel the need to cleanse ourselves. Hmm. Do we, though? Do we, even in the 21st century? Um, isn't this just time that everybody lies these days? I, I'd like to think that I don't lie, but I have definitely lied in the past. I mean, it feels like if you don't lie, if you don't ever lie... It will be difficult for you to, you know, to make it in this kind of society. It just feels like that. Oh, maybe I have been watching too much of the TV show called Power these days, which is a really fantastic TV show about drug dealers and uh, a lot of lying is involved all the time. It, it this this follows a a family a, a black a black family in America. And uh, it's about um, it's about morality a lot, and I just I just love it because you know someone who is usually supposed to be a, a, an antagonist antagonist is like a negative hero um, when they portray them in a humane way I love these kind of TV shows because especially because these characters they are very complex you know they're not they are round characters. They are not flat. They are not bland. They are really interesting. They have different sides to them. They have, they have an, uh, you know, like a dark side in them. But also, they, some of their motivations are uh, nice, and uh, you you just end up cheering for them. And I love these kind of TV shows, and uh, so it's it's amazing. Anyway, going back to this question, uh, just to finish the takeaway, I still haven't finished it. Perhaps some of the physical metaphors we have for moral acts, such as clean hands and dirty hands, such as clean hands and dirty hands, are rooted in these beliefs. I'm actually not sure what this one means. Clean hands and dirty hands. Hmm. Not sure. Not sh Oh! I'm an idiot. I thought I thought this was supposed to be uh, an idiom, but no, no, this is not an idiom. This is just uh, this is just a phrase. If you say I have clean hands, that means you haven't done anything immoral. You haven't committed a crime. You haven't you haven't got involved in anything against the law, right? So, but if you have dirty hands, that means um, you've done something wrong. You have I don't know if let's say if you are working in a high position. I don't think a teacher could have dirty hands, really. Uh, unless uh, somebody pays you 
to um, give them a lot of points in, uh, let's say, an exam, right? That, that could be like a kind of a bribe, but I've never ever been offered anything like that. Uh, and I would definitely not go for it because it would never be worth it unless someone offered me a million, million pounds. I, I guess I would have to consider it like it's about a moral choice, really, you know, um, <laughs> I honestly don't know how I would behave, but I, I think it would be very tempting to take one million dollars, you know. Um, anyway, um, I said pounds before, right? I don't know why I said dollars now. Uh, so, clean hands, dirty hands. So these are basically metaphors. So you can understand these expressions literally, like you can have clean hands and dirty hands, right? If, if you like work in your garden and uh, you for example you weed you weed your garden then uh, your hands will be dirty from the soil that you have to put your fingers in right but uh, once you apply soap or the what's it called the dispenser the hand sanitizer then um, your hands will be clean but the metaphor is of course to do with um, whether uh, you commit uh, some sort of crime or uh, just do something immoral like lie then you know that's the metaphor okay so this was an interesting one I have to say I really enjoyed this one and I I also got it right so uh, well done Zdenek once again give yourself a pat on the back congratulations okay here's another one Inequality estimated. This one is uh, labeled policy. So the, the category is policy. And the name is inequality estimated. Let's see what happens here. Participants were asked to estimate how wealth is distributed in the US as well as to guess how much of the wealth is owned by the poorest 40% of Americans. By the way, wealth, it's like the riches, yeah? Like... Um, stuff people have like not just money but properties and anything that can be basically uh, given value given like a financial value right anything that we can count in money uh, I would consider it wealth I mean you, you could argue that love and family and freedom and abstract things like that could be wealth in a way right metaphorically but Literally, I think when people say wealth, I think they're referring to uh, money, you know. So, let's, let's carry on. Next, they were asked to indicate what kind of wealth distribution they consider to be fair and just. Okay, so wealth distribution, it's about uh, how much money people have, right? So, uh, uh, across the society, basically. Is it that there is a large gap between the rich and the poor? Or is it that people have similar amount of wealth? Okay, so I think this is also about capitalism and communism and socialism and things like that. Um, let's see, this is, this is going to be interesting. And this research was done in the USA. So I'm pretty sure that there are different views on this different views and standpoints and viewpoints on wealth in different parts of the world as well so yeah um, by the way 
the distribution to be fair and just. Just and fair are pretty much synonyms. If something is fair, uh, it is just. And if something is just, it is fair. If you don't know either of these words, then uh, if something is just, it's like um, done in the right way so that uh, everyone is given uh, what they deserve, I guess. Uh, it could be what they deserve or the same amount, but that's 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 where uh, that's where the idea of capitalism comes in because uh, the idea is that if you work harder or if you let's say study harder uh, or if you are smarter and if you do things in a more intelligent way, then you are rewarded for it in terms of money. But the thing is, you know, like this doesn't always work, does it? Um, there is a lot of inequality in the world, and it's just not fair. Okay, well, let me read this again, because I am getting distracted here. Inequality estimated. Participants were asked to estimate how wealth is distributed in the US, as well as to guess how much of the wealth is owned by the poorest 40% of Americans. Next, they were asked to indicate what kind of wealth distribution they considered to be fair and just. The researchers then compared these responses to the actual wealth distribution as measured through the US census. Okay, so how accurately did participants... Wait, accuracy? Accuracy. Accurately. I'm just wondering, like, where is the stress in the word accurate? Yeah, I think accuracy. I think it's on the first syllable. So how accurately... Yeah, uh, it's a tricky one because sometimes when you when a word starts with A and there's double C, uh, like accept, right? Accept is it's the schwa sound in the on the first syllable or in the first syllable, and therefore it's never stressed, right? It, the second one must be stressed. But in this case, I'd argue that A has the a sound, a sound. So that's that's not stressed here. So you'd say ac accurately how accurately did participants estimate the percentage of wealth owned by the poorest 40% of americans uh, by the way the word poorest or poorest there are two ways to pronounce this as far as i'm aware poor poor okay so how accurately did participants estimate estimate is like trying to guess the right number yeah so how accurately hmm part okay the options are participants estimates were approximately the same as the true figure let me try to understand this participants estimates were approximately the same as the true figure hmm. not sure what exactly that means but let's see Number two, participants' estimates were slightly lower than the true figure. Aha, uh -huh, I see, I see. So the true figure is what the research showed, actually, what the wealth distribution was. And, uh, yeah, so I see. So how close were the estimates of the people to the actual uh, figures, you know, to the correct numbers, which were counted by this research which were let's say which were the outcome of this research or I don't know how to put it 
Uh, number three, option number three, participants' estimates were slightly higher than the true figure. Okay. And number four, participants' estimates were much higher than the true figure. Participants were asked to estimate how much wealth is distributed in, uh, in the U.S. as well as to guess how much the, of the wealth is owned by the poorest Americans. Next, they were asked to indicate what kind of wealth distribution they considered to be fair and just. <sighs> Do I really understand this? How accurately did the participants estimate the percentage of wealth owned by the poorest 40% of Americans. So let's just let's just use common sense for this. I think most let's say well-off people or people who are doing okay, who would be like average average earners, um, do not realize how poor the poorest people are. I think that's the that's I think that's the whole point. So uh, in my opinion. Uh, the participants, so the participants, who were the participants again? It doesn't say it, does it? I think the participants were probably not the poorest people, because I just think they weren't, right? So I believe that I'm really getting, um, I'm getting lo lost in this, aren't I? I think I'm getting lost in this a bit, but my way of understanding this is that people are poorer than we think they are. I think it's like we we have this bias or this idea that um, that is actually not so bad because we live in our own bubble. I think that's the point. We live in our own bubble and it's difficult for you to understand some people. For example, it's difficult for... It's difficult for native English teachers to truly understand non-native English teachers' struggles to find a job online as an English teacher. I've, I don't know if I've talked about this on this podcast, but for example, I was trying to I was trying to apply for a job on Italki, the famous Italki platform, and I couldn't because it wouldn't let me choose Czech as my first language. So they only allow native English speakers to work for italki, which I think is highly unfair because it discriminates against people like myself, qualified English teachers with a lot of experience and teachers that know what they're doing, you know. And I don't think it's right. I think there is even a, a law in the European Union that you can't advertise for native speakers only. But the reason uh, Italki gets away with this is probably because the company is, is not a European company. Okay, I could be wrong, but I think that's why, that's why they do it like that. Anyway, so my point here is that you cannot really understand a certain group of people, like let's say, let's say um, LGTB community, right? So lesbians, gays, um, transgender people and bisexual people and queer, uh, so Q, LGTB queer, uh, you can't really understand them unless you are one of them. You can't understand what struggles they are going through. You know, that's, that's my way of understanding this. Um, that means that you tend to overlook the truth. Yeah. Does it make any sense to you listeners? I hope it does. 
And by that logic, I think the participants' estimates were much higher than the true figures. Yeah, I hope, I hope that this means what I think it does. I hope, I hope that it means that uh, they thought that the poorest people have more money or more wealth than they actually do. Yeah. So participants' estimates were much higher than the true figure. That's my answer. That's my final answer. And it's answer number four. And I am right. Wow. 100% uh, success rate. Amazing. I'm really proud of myself these days. You know, I, I am going to end up being a bit cocky, I guess, um, after this game. Like, I still have an uh, opportunity to mess it up because I'm still going to do uh, the third question. But let's deal with this one first because we want to know uh, the answer and the explanation, or as they call it here, the takeaway. Which, by the way, was one of the words I was teaching in the, the latest live show. This is the next English podcast live show. Yeah, so I guess this is a little plug here for... Uh, my live shows, uh, which you can listen to live every Sunday at 9 p.m. Central European Time, GMT plus one. You, you just have to listen to it on Podbean app. And apparently, one of my listeners, Helen from France. Hi, Helen. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you are all right. Uh, she pointed out that it is now possible to listen to the next English li uh, podcast live show even from your computer. The disadvantage of this method, though, is that uh, you don't have the chat room. You don't have access to the chat room, so you can't post your questions and write comments. However, it's definitely some progress, right, that uh, you can do that. It's, it's, it's a progress. Okay, going back to uh, this answer. So, participants' estimates were much higher than the true figure. Now, takeaway. Participants hugely underestimated the level of wealth inequality in the US. That's exactly what I thought. While they guessed that the bottom 40% of Americans owns 9.3% of the wealth, the reality is that the bottom 40% of Americans owns only 0.3% of the country's total wealth. Doesn't surprise me. When it came to the wealth distribution that would make society just, again, the word just means fair. By the way, the word just can be quite tricky because it can mean other things, like only, right? If you say, I want to answer just, just this question and that's it because I don't have time for the third one. I'm actually lying, listeners. I'm lying and I'm not even a part of any experiment like in the first question case, in the first question's case. Uh, that was a bit weird. I should just say, just like in the first question or something. Anyway, anyway, forget about that. Forget about what I said in the past few seconds. Okay. Um, yeah. When it came to the wealth, is <coughs> excuse me. When it came to the wealth distribution that would make society just fair, they wanted the bottom forty percent of Americans to own twenty-four. 0.6% of the wealth. Interestingly, their beliefs regarding the fairest wealth distributions were virtually identical across political affiliations 
and income brackets. Well, that only goes to show that we are all the same and sometimes we are just influenced by stupid political agendas and we just end up being in uh, the echo chambers, you know, echo chambers, you understand that idea? An echo chamber is the idea that you only surround yourself with people of the same opinions as yours, like it's like in the Facebook groups uh, or, or the friends you have on Facebook and those that have polar opposite opinions polar opposite opinions to yours, you just sort of ignore them, you know, you you don't respect them enough and you sometimes delete them as a friend and you leave the groups, right? So if you are, let's say, uh, pro-European, yeah, if you don't like Brexit, like me, I don't want to follow anybody who is a Brexiteer, as they call them, the musketeers of the, the leavers, right? Uh, I don't want to follow these guys, so... I just don't join their groups. I don't have friends like that. That's the idea of echo chambers. And then you're in, in your chamber, you are in this bubble, and all you hear is just the same things that you say. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a bit dangerous because we should all be sort of... Our opinions should, should be scrutinized. You know, like we should subject ourselves to different opinions because I think ultimately that that's what makes us more tolerant yeah we should try to look at things from other people's point of view you know another philosophical uh, minute I guess here um, but where was I um, yeah so I see what they're saying here so I see so it means that people kind of understand that there is inequality that people think that we, sh we should be fairer no matter whether you are right-wing or left-wing affiliate, right? But the, the point is that we are all the same. I guess this research proves that we are all the same in heart. Like, we, we all have a heart and we want to help people and uh, we, we would like the society to be more just. Uh, that's interesting, for sure. In summary, Americans underestimate wealth inequality in the USA. So... Just to explain, the word inequality is the opposite of equality, right? Equality, inequality. In is a negative prefix. There are a lot of negative prefixes in English, like un, you know, unhappy, happy, unhappy. Equality, inequality. Ir, rational, irrational. The name of this game is irrational game, right? And also ill, like illegal, legal, illegal. So there are different ways... You could make a negative out of an adjective in English via using all these different uh, prefixes. Have I forgotten about im? I think I have. Polite, impolite, right? Okay, so in summary, Americans underestimate wealth inequality in the US and they desire a much more equitable distribution than their reality. Equitable, again, it's another word for um, equal, like um, like just, like fair, equ equitable, you know, like mm, equity is like equality, kind of. It's kind of similar. All right, that was an interesting one for sure. And I said that I would do three. Okay, let's see. So... This card is green and it's about self-control. Imagine two individuals, A and B. Person A 
has a higher self-control than person B. Okay, that's going to be interesting. So what's self-control? Self-control is, I think it's about will, right? Um, it's about controlling yourself, really, you know? Um, sometimes I have, I struggle with this, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I have problems with self-control. Self-control could be a lot of different things, yeah? It's not necessarily just about you trying not to lose patience and uh, trying not to shout at people and just keeping your emotions uh, in check. Yeah, it's a good expression. If you keep your emotions in check, you sort of uh, don't, you know, don't go too emotional um, in different situations. Let's say if there is a stressful situation, you keep your head cool, you know, you keep calm and carry on. So that's, I think that's about self-control, I suppose. It could be the ability to form uh, new habits, like let's say you go to the gym and you go there every day because you have a strong, you have strong will. Or learning English, when you talk about learning English, like do you, do you um, listen to podcasts regularly? Do you have these habits of um, excellent English learners, like writing things down and practicing and speaking to yourself and, you know, using the vocabulary that you learn in real life, talking to people and things like that. So, self-control and happiness, that's interesting. So, who would have more frequent positive emotions and experience more intense happiness in their daily life? I am pretty sure that it's the people with the high self-control than uh, the person B. I'm pretty sure that that's the case, but I haven't read the options yet, so let's see. Person A would have less intense happiness, but would experience positive emotions more often. I see, so it's not all black and white. It's actually more complex, so it's not all negative. Okay, I see. Or number two, person A would have more intense happiness, but would experience positive emotions less often. Person A would have both less intense happiness and would experience positive emotions less often. I think this answer is out of the question. Um, if something is out of the question, by the way, or should, is it out of question? I'm not sure. This is out of the question. I think it's, you have to use the definite article. It's out of the question. It's out of question. God damn it, this is a really useful phrase. I think it's out of the question. Actually, I'm gonna check this one because uh, otherwise I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. <laughs> uh, it really bothers me. I think it's out of the question. Yeah, if something is out of the question, that means you don't even consider it. Yeah, let's check the definition online, which is something that a healthy habit of... Um, a person with good self-control, I guess, even though I don't consider myself to be that. But when it comes to language learning, you see, I need to um, set a good example to English learners because it's my job. I'm an English teacher, so I suppose that's what I'm doing. Out of the question. I need to lead by example. Out of the question. Yeah, I was right. I shouldn't have doubted myself. So if something is out of the question, it's too impracticable and or unlikely to merit discussion. 
it's it's impossible it's just something that i don't think is right so that's what i wanted to say that option number three where person uh, person a would have less intense happiness and would experience positive emotions less often why did i say it was out of the question it might not be out of the question at all let's see person a number four person a would have both more intense happiness and would experience positive emotions more often let's see hmm a person that has higher self-control person that has high so this is something that like i think everybody says not everybody but let's say psychologists would say would suggest that having self-control is good for you and if you, if you convince yourself you make yourself do some exercise if you go running if you complete your tasks if you don't procrastinate i think procrastination is so unhealthy you know and i'm always more depressed when i procrastinate or when i feel like i am not living up to my potential as 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 someone who should do more should achieve more in their life i, I can be quite self-critical i think you know me from my podcasts yeah so um you know i think I think it's all bad. I think person A with higher self-control is going to experience everything more intensively, I think. The happiness and both experience positive emotions more often. I would I would think that that's the correct answer. Although this could be a tricky thing. Let's see. My answer is number 4. Person A would have both more intense happiness and would experience positive emotions more often. And guess what? I'm right again. So I have got 100% success rate. Three out of three, correct. I'm done with this game. I don't need to play it anymore because it's too, e too goddamn easy for me. But uh, I think it's logical. I think all you need to do is to just apply common sense. Common sense. And uh, it's obvious. Okay. So why on earth don't I do this? You see, sometimes I feel like I have this uh, sort of, what shall I call it? Uh, sometimes I um, end up sort of hurting myself, you know, like it's like this kind of self-sabotage. I have talked about this when I was interviewing Ruta, Ruta from uh, Lithuania, remember? The, the life coach, Ruta. And I think sometimes i do this and ah it's so bad because you see i can do this if i put my mind to it i can go to the gym i can go running every day i can uh, have more discipline but ah, sometimes i just don't sometimes i just procrastinate leave everything to the last moment and do things that i shouldn't be doing and that's I think that only proves that my self-control is not where it should be. And that's why I'm not always happy, you know. I can be cynical and uh, negative sometimes. Not always, by the way. Not always. Not always. Especially not when I speak to you. Hopefully, I, uh, inject, I, I keep injecting you with some positivity and give off some positive vibes. I hope I'm doing that. If not, please let me know and I, I will try to change it because as this card says, having more self-control 
will make you experience more intense happiness and positive emotions. So let's just read the takeaway, you know, let's just see what they have to say about this. So people generally associate self-control with grit, hard work and sacrifice rather than with pleasure and joy. Yet researchers found that people who have more self-control feel happier. Again, this doesn't surprise me at all. This doesn't surprise me at all. Why? Because those with higher self-control are better able to handle conflicts between goals, healthy lifestyle goals and the desire to drink too much alcohol, which means that in the moment of temptation, they are better able to act in accordance with their long-term well-being. This leads them to more intense and more frequent happiness. You know what I'm thinking, listeners? I'm thinking that maybe sometimes I'm a little bit too hard on myself because looking at these examples, healthy lifestyle. Okay, so I think I eat healthy food. I think I do sports. I think I don't drink too much alcohol. For example, last time I drank beer was like on New Year's Eve, you know, which was uh, a week ago. And there are a lot of people who drink on a daily basis. So I don't think I'm doing too badly in that. However, my sleeping habits are just, uh, what's the word for it? Dreadful. My sleeping habits are just dreadful, atrocious. They are shambolic. Very nice adjectives to describe what kind of sleeping habits I have these days. I'm trying to fix them. I even bought um, some supplements to help me fall asleep. Yes, that's right. How far have I gone uh, uh, to fix this? You see, I'm trying, I'm trying, but my will is not as strong as it should be in this. And ultimately, uh, it makes me less happy and uh, more tired than uh, is desirable. Once again, desirable means what's sort of wanted, what's, what's ideal, right? Um, okay, okay. Right, listeners, what do you think? Did you enjoy this kind of episode? Do you think I did something illegal reading out cards from a game? It's only three cards, come on, out of 130. So that means that's like less than 2%. Is it though? Or am I counting it wrong? I think it's more than 2%. Yeah, I'm counting it wrong. It's more than 2%. Or is it? I don't know, I'm not a mathematician, but apparently... Uh, I understood or I knew the, all the answers to these three interesting questions and they all came from three different categories as well. So, um, if you think this is a good game, if you'd like to play it in teams, the way this game is played is that you've got like a deck of cards, a pile of these questions and then... Um, I think when it's your turn, you draw a question from that pile and you try to answer it. And if you predict the correct answer from the multiple choice options, then you keep the card, you get a point. But there are also some power cards here, which I haven't unpacked yet. But um, the power cards allow you to skip a question if the question is too hard. Or you can even like steal a point from another player. So it, there is more to this game than... Um, than just asking and answering questions, but I simplified it for myself. But as I said, there's more going on in this game. Um, 
anyway, I think I didn't do anything illegal here, and I possibly help promote this game. Um, once again, it was uh, it was designed by Dan Airely. Airely? Ariely? I honestly don't know how to pronounce his surname, but uh, I, I like this idea, and I think it's going to work wonders in an English class, and I'm definitely going to uh, make use of this in my English through board games course. I think this uh, this game would be good for reading as well, you see, because most of the games that I have are uh, suited for developing speaking, but this one, I think this is good for reading too. Okay, that's it. This episode has been one hour long, which is, let's say, good length for an episode. For some people it might be too long, but I think it, uh, it's good length. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Zdenek's English Podcast and to this particular episode. Don't forget that you can support Zdenek's English Podcast. You can become uh, one of the patrons. And I do have, currently I have about six to seven patrons, I believe. And all you need to do is to just go to podbean.com and look up Zdenex English Podcast and there you can make a pledge which could be as little as just one dollar a month. Yeah, So it's not even a price of a small beer. And um, once you do that, then obviously this is a way of showing your gratitude and a, a way of uh, basically thanking me for the episodes that I record and for the work that I do as a teacher to try to help you with your listening skills and teaching you vocabulary and things like that. All right, I think I've said enough. I think you know, you know what I mean by this. Guys, take care, have fun and come back again. I will be here with Zenex English Podcast with another episode. Cheers, bye-bye. Thanks a lot for listening. For more information, go to Zdenex English Podcast Facebook group or visit zdenexenglishpodcast.podbean.com. Listening to podcasts can help you with your listening skills. If you wish to work on your speaking skills, join my brand new Discord group called Learn English Online. You will find the invite link on my website, teachesdenek.com, zap section. 